I'm Laura Max Rose, and you're joining me for the first ever episode of Look Ma, No Hands, Dispatches from the Front Lines of Motherhood. I am starting this podcast as I have been a writer and a blogger for most of my adult life. I found myself sitting in my baby's nursery when she was um, just born, my second daughter, Violet, and my hands were full. I was holding her, and I had so many ideas going through my head, so many things that I wanted to write about, so many stories that I wanted to tell. And my hands were not free. Um, I could very, I could hardly get up and use the restroom by myself, let alone sit at my computer and type a blog post and edit it. Um, so I started recording these voice notes that I would send to my friends, and several of them actually um, would get back to me with the same feedback. Laura, I'm, I'm looking forward to your voice notes like they're my favorite fo- podcast. And I noticed all my voice notes had a theme. They were all my dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. And I thought, this really is a podcast. Um, And I'm going to put it together and I'm going to launch it. And um, you're listening to it right now. So this is Look Ma No Hands. And thank you for joining me for episode number one. You can always say you were here from the very beginning. And I am thrilled to introduce you today to Jenna Longoria. She is a functional nutrition practitioner, also known as the period guru. So when I got her card at an event, I was attending lately. I knew I had to have her on here. Hormones are something that I am very familiar with. (laughs) Um, As a woman who has been pregnant twice, I have become absolutely fascinated with understanding, tracking, and living um, along the guidance and instruction of my hormones. Um, Most pregnant, most women who've had a child will tell you that um, it's almost like your body was put together um, a whole new way after you have a baby and um, starting to understand the way that your hormones fluctuate and can thus really guide your life and support you instead of totally drag you down becomes a very important part of how um, we start to live our lives. So um, before I got pregnant with my daughter, Selma, I, um, I got off birth control like most do when they're trying to get pregnant. And I was 20, 26 years old. And it took me nine months to get pregnant. I was a perfectly healthy young woman. Nine months isn't necessarily that long, but I was surprised it took me that long. And I noticed that um, once I got off of birth control, it took my period a really long time to regulate. And I was really convinced this was the reason why um, it was taking me so long to get pregnant. Um, Not only that, but there were a whole other loads of side effects of birth control that I didn't even realize I was experiencing um, that I only knew were affecting me after I got off of it. Um, Painful sex, um, hormonal um, ups and downs that were affecting me that um, were really negatively. And um, just generally, you know, getting off of birth control, it took it a very long time to come out of my body. And I I felt uncomfortable with that. But here we are in this world where birth control is, you know, typically associated with um, having a lot of freedom as a woman and having, you know, freedom to express yourself and your sexuality and, you know, not have to get pregnant. And um, I, I felt really like kind of at a crossroads around this. So I started to do my own research and Um, a lot of my research has led me to so much of what Jenna is going to be talking to me about today. So I'm thrilled to have her on here, Jenna. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so honored to be the first guest on Look Mono Hands. This is so exciting. So tell me a little bit about how you help women. Um, you talk about period tracking and period coaching. Tell me, 
Tell me about the core of what you do and how you help women really um, live according to their periods almost. Yeah, it's a absolutely. Funny thing to say. So actually, you know, when I first began my journey in nutrition, it didn't begin like this. This is not where it started um, with periods. I just was helping women lose weight because everyone wants to lose weight, weight yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know that, you know, you shouldn't lose weight to be healthy. We need to get healthy to lose weight. So um, exactly. I noticed a lot of women coming to me were having these hormone imbalances, you know, when we were working together and generally it was thyroid or it was after getting off hormonal birth control and their hormones were going all out of whack. So I was like, Hey, there's something to this, you know? So I started tracking my own cycle and then I noticed how much insight could give me. And then I had my clients start to track their cycles. And then now, I mean, every single time I have a client, that's the first thing I ask them, what cycle day are you on? What are your periods like? What's the color of your period blood? Because it gives me so much insight into their overall health because our period is our fifth vital sign. So tell me more. What does that mean? It's a fifth vital sign. It is our report card. So if, you know, period, painful periods are not the problem, um, Interesting. Yes. Most people would think that they were like, I've always heard that having really bad cramps means I'm doing something wrong. Well, it does. But you know, the, the problem isn't the period it's revealing the problem. Okay. So your painful period is a a way, it's a symptom. It's the way your body's communicating with you. Right. So your body can't say, Hey, you know, wake up, you're eating really crappy and you need to practice some more self-care and get some more sleep. Like it can't, talk to you. Right. But when we're having these painful periods, that is a, that's a way in sensations that our body can talk to us, that there's something going on. And what is that painful period? What does that usually mean as wrong? Uh, it can be a variety of things for painful periods. Generally it's a source of inflammation. It can, it's some type of hormone imbalance. It could be a nutrient deficiency. It could be a gastrointestinal, you know, side effect. It could be maybe endometriosis. And I mean, how, when you say painful, like should our periods ideally have no pain associated with them? That's a great question. And this is so my, you know, my mantra is pain-free periods are our birthright. And I am, I, I, I'm a firm believer, but in that, with that said, a normal period, um, you know, it's, it's normal to have slight cramping. So if you have to get up on the first day of your period and you have some slight cramps and you have to go to work that day, or you need to take care of two kids that day, and you really just don't want to experience those cramps. If you take two Advil and the pain goes away and you're fine for the rest of your day, that to me is a normal scope of pain. Okay. Now, if you're if you're having to miss work, if you're having to lay in bed, if you're having to miss you know social occasions, if it's getting in the way of you living your life, then there's something not normal. That is not normal. So this is interesting because you're saying you know I I'm in that category of I can take two Advil or two Tylenol mm-hmm. and I'm fine. But every time I get on Instagram, I feel like I'm seeing a story of a celebrity or someone mm-hmm. I know that is going through debilitating period pain and it's becoming more and more frequent. Is there a reason for that? Like, I is it something that we're eating? We're more awareness. So I think that used to, there used to be a lot, and there still is a lot of taboo uh, around talking about the menstrual cycle. And now we're having more of a platform, especially with Lena Dunham from- Yes, um, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I can't- Girls, girls, girls. girls. Um, You know, she has endometriosis. She had a total hysterectomy and she was very vocal about her experience and that kind of shed more light on it. So I don't think it's necessarily that more women are suffering from painful periods. I think it's just more women are talking about it because they realize this is something we can can share. Right. Um, But I do, also think that we have a lot of, we live in a world of unprecedented stress. So I don't think everyone has endometriosis. I mean, endometriosis is one, one in 10 is the statistic for endometriosis. Um, but I do think a lot of women are having painful periods that don't have it. 
because we live have a, we're in a world of unprecedented stress and toxins that are throwing our hormones out of balance. So one of the things I told you, you know, I've talked to my doctor about having, you know, like having hormonal issues and he, his suggestions always birth control. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. And that's worked for a lot of women. And I'm always like, he always laughs at me because I'm always like, Oh, I'll figure something else out. Yeah. Um, I just feel like most of the side effects of birth control have been negative. And when I first met you, I asked you like, that was the first thing I asked you, what do yeah. you think about it? You're like, I'm actually not that into it. So I want to know. I'm more. not that into it. And you know, I, 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 what you said about nine months when you got off the birth control pill, it took you nine months to conceive. That is actually the average yeah. that, um, it takes a woman. You are at the average the nine months So they say nine cycles after getting off the pill. Now, here's the thing. Not everyone gets pregnant in nine months. Sometimes it takes a lot longer because they say an average of nine cycles post pill to get pregnant. But a lot of women don't start ovulating right after they get off the pill. It could take them... 12 cycle, 12 months to start cycling, to start ovulating and having a period. And then another nine months on that to get pregnant. So what is the, why is that bad? Well, first of all, it's bad because if you wait until maybe say you get off the birth control pill at 30 or 29 and you decide you want to have kids, but then it two years go by and you're still not getting pregnant. I mean, that's frustrating. It's frustrating. And you know, not like after 30, you can't have kids. Um, but you know, what if you're, you know, even like 35, someone who didn't know about that. And here's my thing. We all, we plan when you get married or when you get engaged, do we plan the wedding like a month before the day before? And then we get married. No, no, we take about a year to plan a wedding. And that's how we should look at conception. We should take a year to kind of detox the body. If you're on any hormonal birth control, get off of it because what the hormonal birth control method, you know, pill or patch or IUD, what it does is it cuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. And what we have is a, a group of women that have been taking birth control since they were in their 14. early teens. Yeah. Yes. This is the first generation. We're like guinea pigs. Yeah. So when the, when the birth control pill first came on the market, it was looked at as like, you know, this feminism wave, like, oh my gosh, women can go to work and they can it was go to empowering. school pregnant. And don't get me wrong. There are some first generation college graduates. The pill helped. Right. Um, but they were taking it for like a year or two. And then they got married and had kids and they didn't get back on it again. It wasn't like they started taking it at the beginning of menstruation at 13 because, you know, nowadays teenagers are going into the doctor and like, I have acne. Oh, birth control pill. Yep. Oh, I have painful periods. Birth control pill. All of it. And yep. it's not, it's, it's, it, that's just treating the symptoms. Birth control pill is supposed to be used to prevent pregnancy, but it's estimated that 60% of people on it are taking it for acne or painful periods. Right. Which it's is ridiculous. As a, as a cure-all. So what, it cuts off the communication between the brain and the ovaries. And when you take it for that long of a period of time, it's not, you don't just get off the pill and all of a sudden your brain and ovaries start talking again. It's kind of like a really bad internet connection and it takes a while to establish itself. Now, some women do, they get pregnant right off the bat. But a lot of women, and what we're finding is are experiencing difficulties getting pregnant because A, the pill puts you, hormonal birth control depletes your nutrients. So you will be nutrient deficient when you get off of it. It causes leaky gut. So you have all these gastrointestinal issues. Um, and it, cause, it can cause anxiety and depression. And in some women, they won't start menstruating again. Well, the anxiety and depression thing is interesting to me because there are so many, I mean, the correlation between being on antidepressants and birth control at the same time, um, I don't have the facts in front of me right now, but there are tons of stories of people Absolutely, yeah. who are like, oh, mm-hmm. I wasn't depressed. I was just on birth control and I was yes. on both of them at once. And I, I know I took it in high school and it certainly gave me very depressive symptoms. I was very hesitant to get back on it when I did. Um, and I didn't really realize actually it was causing depressive symptoms until I got off of it. And I was like, oh, yeah. like the clouds when you're are parted. Young and you start taking yeah. it, you don't really know who you are. And there right. has been actually, um, the University of Denmark 
Copenhagen did the largest study over 13 years, studied a million women, okay? Mm -hmm. And they found that the birth control pill does cause um, increased use of uh, antidepressants and depression. Right. And it was even more so with uh, progestion-only hormonal birth control. So there is a correlation. We do know hormonal birth control causes depression. We do know it causes anxiety. And that's why I call the birth control pill a gateway drug. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. So how do we... How do we work around that? I mean, what do we do? So here's the thing. I'm not going to judge anyone for their choice of contraceptive. If someone thinks that hormonal birth control is the right option for them and they're weighing their pros and cons and they're like, look, this is the best option for me, then that's, that is, I will support them. But my goal is to inform everyone how each method works the pros and the cons so they can make the most informed decision for their body because I don't feel like that's happening. I don't think, I think we're going to the doctor and we're getting a prescription and we're not told the severe side effects. We're not told like, oh, if you have a genetic disposition for blood clotting, this could actually be really dangerous. It could kill you. you. One in 12,000 people <laughs> drop dead from a blood clot from yeah. birth control pill, which is a lot. It was enough to scare me out of it. Yeah. So, you know, and it, uh, or if people who have the MTHFR genes mutation shouldn't take the birth control pill, they're more likely to have depression and blood clots as well. And I'm one of them. I have both variations of MTHFR genes. So I got on the birth control pill when I was 14 for a large ovarian cyst. And I mean, then I was, I was on Prozac, like not even a year later, I was not a depressed child. And uh, it turns out I have both variations of the MTHFR gene. So it was just thrown, it was completely like my body didn't know how to detox it efficiently. So, you know, my goal is to just empower women with the methods they can use. There are plenty of non-hormonal birth control methods. And there are also, you know, different types of hormone methods, some better than others. Everyone has their own pros and cons, basically. So, okay, non-hormone, we all know about condoms. Yes. Okay. 98% can, effective, so it's pretty good. We can use, we can track our cycle, right? Yes, like 99.6% effective. Kit, okay. Not the rhythm method, but the fertility awareness method. I feel like a lot of people get that messed up. Okay. The rhythm method is is not effective. It's just kind of like, I call it the pull out and pray method because <laughs> you're just like, oh, day 14, I'm ovulating. And you know, ah. Not everybody has a 28-day cycle and not everyone ovulates on day 14. If I'm ovulating and I don't want a child, like you better <laughs> just sleep on the other side of the room, please. I just feel like... <laughs> Exactly. So, um, I mean, anything I feel like, yeah, I mean, if there's a method that, that insinuates that you can like, I don't know, I just, I would be hesitant. That's all I'm saying. And my favorite for non uh, non-hormonal birth control methods, um, are the smart devices we have out there now. Like there's yeah. a daisy thermometer. There's something called the temp drop. These are all great devices that help give your method more efficacy. So like it brings it up to 99.6%. So here's my question. There are such straightforward ways to understand one's own body so that one can, you know, have sex and not get pregnant, for example. But the only option that's really put in our faces for all of time is birth control. You can say a million things about that. You can talk about the pharmaceutical industry. But is there something to be said about the fact that these are like women's bodies and we've just never really taken the time to understand how they work? Absolutely. 100%. Like what? (laughs) And anyone who wants to know more about it should read the book and the name of the pill because they, uh, this investigative journalist goes into the first, the first study where they went to Puerto Rico and they said that they studied, I think it was something like thousands of women. And they actually only studied 150 women for the first trial of the birth control pill. And it was like either two or three of them died. And they were like, oh, it's safe. Now, to me, three people out of 150 is a lot of people to die in a study to all of a sudden just FDA approve and give this birth control pill to women. And here's the thing. It's like women were not included to, were not, um, were not included in medical studies 
until 1994. Like maybe some of them were, but they weren't required to be right. included in medical studies until 1994. Women, you know, they we messed up the control trials because our the ebb and flow of our hormones were too complicated. So we kind of don't a lot. Most of the pharmaceuticals out there, I mean, besides the birth control pill, because it was made for a woman, are designed for men. I mean, like if you told a man that they had to take them, I mean, my husband and I joke all the time. Like, can you imagine if it was you that was the new, the person that had to take the birth control? Like, uh, hell no. Hell no. Yeah. I put it this way. So so the birth control pill, I like how Dr. Laura Bryden, she's the author of the period repair manual. Great book. She calls hormonal birth control, female castration. And it really is because it shrinks our ovaries. It shrinks the clitoris and it shuts off our progesterone. So progesterone is, we need progesterone like men need testosterone. Yeah, men have progesterone as well and women have testosterone as well. But think about it this way. What if, what if you know, um, a guy were to take a hormone birth control and his testosterone were going to be cut off and he'd have no libido, he'd lose um, uh, muscle mass. Do you think that he'd say yes to that? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. And a woman, that's what we're doing. We're castrating ourselves. Progesterone is the calming hormone. We can only make it when we ovulate. Only make it when we ovulate. That's why a lot of women get anxiety around the birth control pill. You're taking it away. We're taking away our progesterone, which nourishes our our, um, bones, our hair, our nails, our heart, our thyroid. And so think about when you have a baby, your progesterone levels drop dramatically, which is why you have the baby blues. And like then most women, you know, they're I go to the OB gen after I have a baby, and he's like, "Are you which birth control method are you going to use?" Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, my hormones are like still dropping. I'm not going to put more synthetic hormones no, in my body. You don't either. And, and a lot of doctors will say, oh, well, this is a progesterone birth control pill. Have, I, have you ever heard that before? The progesterone only birth control pill? Yeah. Because there's no such thing. It's progestion. Yeah. And it is it's completely different. It's synthetic yeah. because they couldn't patent progesterone. So they made the synthetic version so they could make money off of it. And it has completely different, it has no beneficial um, effects for the female body whatsoever. It does nothing that progesterone does. So I'm sitting here ta- thinking about, <laughs> you know, weaving this into the experience that so many women have after they have a child when their hormones are so out of whack and then they do end up going on some sort of synthetic birth control that ends up messing up their hormones even more. Um, We were talking about, you know, period tracking earlier. How do you know how long it takes um, a woman's like postpartum hormones to come back into like a normal it really depends. So generally, you know, when you're breastfeeding, you have high levels of prolactin, so it suppresses ovulation. Not right. all the time. There are many women who can get pregnant while they're breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, which to me, I'm like, I don't understand. How do you get pregnant four months after having a kid? Like, it happens to a lot of people. I just don't think I'd be wanting to have sex at that time. But anyway, um, I'm like, I'd be like, get away from me. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes those hormones actually make people well, more interested in okay. having sex. I mean, it's like both sides of the... I could see that It too, could happen yeah. either way. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay. I could see that. Um, and we're all different. Um, but so generally when you're breastfeeding, your prolactin levels are so high, so it's suppressing ovulation. So it could take, you know, as you wean off, generally that's when you start ovulating again. So once you have to start ovulating again to start getting that hormonal rhythm. And that's why when women, after they have a baby, they should not use the fertility awareness method as their form of birth control just yet. Use some condoms as a backup method because, um, because you have to assume that tomorrow you could ovulate. Oh yeah. We have tons of friends who thought that they were fine because yeah. they were resting. And you and need at pregnant. least three months of charting your cycles before yeah. you can use it as a birth control method. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely would never trust just nursing as a birth, <laughs> after the, after the stories that I have yeah. heard. Um, but so I, I've also, you know, I've read there's, there are more people, um, 
every day doing what you do. If you go on Instagram, there mm-hmm. was that woman we were talking about from like New Zealand. Oh, or something. Uh, D- Dr. Laura Bryden. There's yeah. Maisie Hill, Hill. She just came out with I think book Period Power. Maybe it's Maisie yeah. Hill. I, but but just talking mm-hmm. about how like especially um, if you're a working woman, really understanding your cycle and when you're the most creative. Yes. Are are we? Am I right that we're like the most creative right during ovulation and yes. like leading up to our period? Absolutely. So that's like where our, our creativity peaks. So there's four phases of the menstrual cycle. We have, uh, and, and we I look at them like to seasons of the year. So we have winter, which is menstruation, fall, I mean, uh, winter as uh, spring, which is right before ovulation. Mm-hmm. And we have um, ovulation, which is summer. And then we have the luteal phase, which is fall. Okay. So if you think about it, it's kind of like close, you know, it mimics those seasons. So in the winter is our menstrual cycle. So day one of our cycle always starts with the first day of our bleed. And our hormones are flatlined like day one, two, three. It's horrible. Horrible. Like that, you know, our, <laughs> our, our complexion isn't as nice, you know, because we, we don't have estrogen. We don't have that much testosterone. Yeah. So our complexion so isn't as nice. it's not just nice. in my head. Okay. It's not just in your head. Yeah. You're feeling kind of gray. Eh. You're feeling introverted. You don't want to be around people. You kind of just want to like get into your cave and do, and t- you know, and just journal or just be by yourself, right? Right. Now, this is a time of very high intuition, the most high intuition of our whole cycle. So this is why I say it's a really great time to journal those ideas, write them down, but not act on them. Because right now we really just need to rest. Um, that's why, you know, I always recommend that women the first two days of their menstrual cycle, like if they want to do some type of exercise, just gentle walking, nothing more than that. Um, and then as you know, day three, four, five, like, so right now I'm on cycle day, uh, four. Okay. So my estrogen is now starting to rise and I'm starting to feel better. But yes, I'm really glad we weren't recording this podcast yesterday. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Cause I would have been kind of like, I don't want to be out and talking and you know, to people. Um, well, no, I mean like I'm probably on like day like seven. Um, I, I looked at myself in the mirror yesterday and I was like, Oh, I look pretty good. Like I just had a baby six months ago. I looked at myself in the mirror five days ago and I was like, Oh my God, I never want to look at myself in the mirror again. I mean like just the difference in the way I felt from like day two to day six. As we get more estrogen, our body image, you know, our perception of ourself increases yeah. our confidence increases so once we get into after the menstruation so you know winter which can be one to seven days for some women generally like I start going to my spring by day three like I start feeling more into my spring where the estrogen is you know raises I have a lot of I, I'm I'm extroverted. I want to be out. I want to, this is a good time. This is when I schedule most of my business meetings, brainstorming meetings, um, basically anything with human interaction. <laughs> I try to schedule in the follicular. So the first, you know, pre-ovulatory. Okay. I try to, I try to um, schedule then. And we're very creative. We're like, have you ever seen Mad Men? Yeah. My favorite okay. show of all time. Mine too. Oh my gosh. Mine I've too. seen every episode four uh, times. I've seen it. Oh, twice. I'm you not beat even me. kidding. You yeah. beat me. Okay. So I like to look at it as uh, Donald Draper and Peggy. Okay. So we have two innate business partners in ourselves at two different times of our cycle. So, you know, we do have four phases, but for simplicity's sake, I'm going to break it up into the two phases. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, fa- the first phase is pre-ovulation. We call that follicular. Okay. And that's where winter and spring are in. Um, and then post-ovulation is our luteal phase. And that's what, that's what our fall is in. Okay. Um, so pre-ovulation, we have a lot of estrogen, which makes us kind of a little flighty. We, we pick up a lot of projects. We have our, you know, hands and everything. We're just have, we're just breaming with ideas. Kind of like Donald Draper when he's like, has no ideas for a while. And then all of a sudden he's like, I've got this idea for Coca-Cola, you know, that's whatever. Why, yep. Yes. And he just like, he just writes the idea, but that's where Donald Draper kind of takes off. He gets the ideas, but then you have our luteal phase where we are very good because progesterone is the, the rock star of the luteal phase. 
We are very good with attention to detail, bringing these ideas into reality, manifesting making it happen. them, making it happen. We're like, that's where Peggy comes in. Her and her team, they get together like, this was a brilliant idea. Well, Peggy had and her this own, is right before Peggy we got had her own here. brilliant ideas right. too. But, you know, let's <laughs> just for the sake, this is when Donald Draper, his team takes yeah. over and like makes it turns it into reality. Well, you get that energy to like finally like get stuff done. That progesterone, yeah, it kind of calms us. So yeah. if we were trying to dot the I's and, and do that stuff in the follicular phase, we'd be really bored because estrogen is really high and it makes us a bit flighty. Progesterone makes us kind of calming. You know, we feel more like... I liked, I have a luteal phase, a luteal phase task list and a follicular phase task, task list. So in my luteal phase is generally when I do like um, editing blog posts or, you know, kind of, you know, go, uh, replying to emails that I haven't replied to in a while, kind of like behind the scenes stuff that doesn't really involve too much human interaction, kind of like, you know, cleaning up stuff and presenting it, maybe editing a video or something like that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So like, and then in your follicular phase, that's when you're having your business meetings. That's when you're... Yes, and that's when I'm having these aha moments. Like, oh my God, how could I not do this? This is the best idea ever. Well, I feel like by knowing, so even just by having this conversation with you and getting a better idea of what are the different seasons are, it just makes, it gives you so much power. You know, to, to like not have to schedule meetings when you're, you know, you just got your period and understanding about yourself that that is not the yes. time that you're really supposed to be out in the world. So this is one thing we have to really be careful with. And um, so what I do, I always give myself grace. You know, those few days, you know, the first day of my period, especially, I give myself grace and uh, the day before. So I try to, you know, I, I don't want to have any business meetings. You know, life happens. Yeah. Some, you know, hey. you have a patient on a day like that or you have to go to, uh, you know, back to school event with your kids, whatever. These, It's not like I'm telling you to like, avoid responsibility. Right. But here's how it can work. So A, if you if you have to do something like that and you know you're going to be feeling introverted or a little bit anxious as some women do right before their period, you're like, hey, this is normal for me to yeah. feel anxious. Anx- I'm going to feel a little anxious today, but I'm empowered with the knowledge that that's how I always feel at this time of the year, of, right. of, the, of my cycle. Um, and then also I see a lot of women who, when they're feeling like really great in their follicular phase, they make all these plans for the whole month because they feel great. They're like, yeah, I'm totally going to meet up like three coffee dates in a row at this day. And then you forget like, oh shit, that's like two days before my period starts. Oh my God. So you have to be sure not to like, how many people can relate to that? Seriously. <laughs> I feel like I just like, I'm like, like just light bulbs are exploding in my head. Saying right yes now. to everything. Oh yeah, t- totally. I can take on that. Like, yeah. You know. And then I get to the day where I planned that event and I'm like, oh God, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> absolutely. So this is the way we can empower ourselves this. by scheduling our planner accordingly to our cycle Yeah, and using our strengths because as women, we, know we ebb and our hormones ebb and flow we're not expected to have the same productivity every day and that's okay we're not men we're not you know we're, we're, we don't have a 24 hormones our 24 hour hormone cycle like men we have like a 28 day-ish right and that's totally natural we have different superpowers at different times of the month so men have this going on every day in a 24 hour cycle yeah oh mm-hmm. really they wake up in the morning with like their testosterone is revving like they're they're like energetic. They're ready to, you know, hit the world and have all these great ideas. And then it starts to taper out. And then at the, like, so at the end of the night, I like to say like 5 PM, they're PMSing. Yeah. Wow. That's why like, they really don't want to like multitask. They're kind of like, just like want to just kind of turn off. They're ready to turn they're off. They're ready to turn off, you know? And then the evening is, I guess, menstruation. <laughs> Do people meet with you and just say like, where was this information my whole life? Absolutely. It's really like, especially with like birth control and the side effects. And then like just knowing the different phases and knowing that we're not expected to be the same person every day as women. No. And that is, oh my and God, it's once okay. you're free of that. Once you yeah. have this understanding that sometimes I'm like this and sometimes I'm like that and that's okay. And like when I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see back at me, I can just say to myself, you know, 
this is just that time this where is you normal. don't like what you yeah. look like. You don't have to go out and get an operation. Like you just don't like what exactly. you look like. It's okay. And we're not expected to yeah. be June Cleaver every day of the month. No, every- no. Give yourself grace. As you said, mm-hmm. and like this detachment, this loving detachment from myself. Yes. I have all these feelings, but like, I don't have to take them all seriously. I can honor them and respect them, but I don't have to act Absolutely. on them. And also incorporating your partner into it. So I have like, I, I encourage every woman to chart her cycle. Um, and I, uh, you know, for one full month on a pen and paper. And then you can go to a period app. Um, and I have a free ebook that everyone can download after this that has like a, a chart that they can download and my favorite apps and how to get started with, uh, with you know, tracking their cycles. Um, but what I do is I share that with my husband. So I have it up on our kitchen board where the grocery list is everything. And he knows what day of my cycle I'm on. You know, like one day I might put like, I'm grumpy, like all right, grumpy. And so he knows just maybe to like, just give me a little bit extra space or not take any, something I say too seriously. How know? many, I mean, it literally it's clockwork. The, every <laughs> single time I get my period, my husband is like, Lord, what is going on? And I'm like, this is my day. Yeah. This is my, or like my 24 hour, this is my 48 hour window. Like so I am not that, nice. Imagine yeah, like I if can't. you have that and you share that with your partner, yeah. they know, they know, like they know some, it gives you so much insight. And I think it's really funny. The other day I forgot to write in my adjective for my day and my husband wrote happy. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm happy today. Okay. That's great. <laughs> um, I'm sure he was thrilled. <laughs> totally. That's so funny. Well, I, I really love learning more about this because it wasn't really until I had kids that I started to understand how vulnerable we are to our hormones and how much our lives can change mm-hmm. just based off of where our, where our horm- hormones are and how little people know about that. Yeah. I mean, I was like desperate for help, especially after Violet was born to understand, like I, I was nursing Violet and I didn't really nurse Selma. So I had all, you were talking about prolactin. I had all these sort of hormonal fluctuations going on. I didn't understand what was happening for me and no one could really tell me like mm-hmm. no one really had um, the information that I needed. And I knew that if I'd had it, I would have been so much more empowered to like give myself the time and space to just have this postpartum window and understand that eventually at month seven or eight, I would start to feel better mm-hmm. or whatever like it was. What you like, were feeling is normal to not feel so isolated right. to be like, this is normal. Um, and instead of being like, I think instead of being controlled by our hormones, we can control our hormones in a bit, like by right. having that awareness, like we're not victims to our hormones. So tell me some of the ways, you know, people have come to you and been helped and guided. Like what are some like life changing moments that you've had with some of your clients? Yeah. Well, you know, I have a lot of women who come to me post birth control. So there's something called post birth control syndrome and really? they get off the birth control pill and they are just like, they're not obvious. They're not having a period. And then they break out. They have like acne for the first time in a long time, like teenage acne, mood swings all over the place. Um, and so I work with them to detox them from the synthetic hormones. I do uh, gut testing and hormone testing in my office with all of my patients. And you know, you can't, you can't address the hormones without addressing the gut. And I use functional nutrition and I use, you know, uh, you know, trackle, uh, tracking our cycles as well in order to gain, find out each individual's rhythm, uh, their, you know, their hormonal rhythm. So they can be empowered with that at the same time, healing the gut healing, uh, balancing the hormones so that they can be fertile. And what I tell all women, not, I, I have a lot of success stories with pregnancy, like in, you know, before, like they're, they're last, they're about to go to IVF and they've been trying and we get them pregnant. Lots of babies like that. And I'm not, I'm not using any magic. I'm not using any pharmaceuticals. This is just nutrition. These, you know, functional nutrition, like seed cycling is one of them. Um, and you know, getting, finding out, I do a lot of food allergy testing, seeing if any foods that they're allergic to, 
um, basically getting rid of any internal or external stressors, stressors that we can. Also talking to the man, because, hey, how about that? Because 50% of the responsibility is, is in the par- male partner, right? right? The sperm health. So generally what works for the female will also work for the male in improving the sperm health. Um, and so, yeah, that I've seen a lot of women get pregnant naturally just by changing their diet and their lifestyle and, you know, taking a few supplements. It, it really works just kind of being empowered with our, with the knowledge, working with our bodies because our bodies were designed pretty perfectly. What are some of the supplements that help with cycle regulation? Are they different for everyone? They, okay. So they are different for everyone. I try not to make too many blanket supplementation uh, recommendations, but there are a few that I, I think everyone can benefit from. So magnesium is my favorite. Every, oh, I, love I mean, everyone should take magnesium. If you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not taking magnesium right now, like go get some magnesium. <laughs> my favorite form is magnesium biglycinate. Okay. Um, but it's a different threshold for everyone. Everybody has a different tolerance and there's something you have to work up your way towards I recommend like 400 milligrams a day but some people might take 400 milligrams and have loose stools for a yes. while like they need to build their way their way up to it right and then you know some people might prone towards constipation and maybe need a little citrate at night so um but magnesium is so powerful at reducing like I've had some clients who've come to me and you know they're like I have the worst painful periods ever and you know um, I get them on magnesium and they're like, I don't have painful periods anymore. I'm like, well, you know, congratulations. That happens all the time. And right. I mean, not, I have another thing we don't not, know about. That yeah. I mean, there's yeah. still other things that we need to be working on. Um, but generally the, the patients that come to me, the magnesium is not going to be all they need. It's, you know, I see the people that generally OBGYNs can't, they can't don't, help. they don't know what's going on yeah. and they want to throw the birth control pill. And, uh, these, these patients just don't want to do the hormonal birth control route. Right. So they want to seek, they want their body. Th- the type of patient that comes to me is someone who wants their body to work naturally. They want their hormones to ebb and flow how they were designed to. They don't want to put synthetic hormones into their body and silence the symptoms. They want to get to the root cause. So that's where I'm really working with people who want to get to the root cause of what is causing this hormonal balance in the first place. So um, you've got magnesium on your list. Any, yes. Anything else? Magnesium. Um, well, this isn't a supplement. This is food. That's seed cycling. And in my, my ebook, my period 101 ebook, I talk about seed cycling, how you can seed cycle, which seeds you I need. I have never heard of this. Oh my gosh, Tell seed cycling. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you know, we have, like we were talked about the, the two phases. Well, there are four phases, but we can break them up into two, follicular and luteal phase, mm-hmm. right? So estrogen is the rock star of the follicular phase. We really, you know, we have high levels of estrogen. We want to promote healthy estrogen levels. Then in the luteal phase, we want to promote healthy progesterone levels. So what we do is in the first two weeks of our cycle, we eat, um, to build up the estrogen, we eat flaxseed and we eat sesame seeds. Wow. Yes. And those build up the uh, healthy levels of estrogen. So then in our um, luteal phase, we eat... Um, pumpkin seeds because they have a lot of zinc which help with progesterone and we eat actually um, sunflower seeds yes Yum. So pumpkin and sunflower, and those help build up healthy levels of progesterone. So um, a tablespoon of each or two tablespoons of one of them, and you alternate them. So the first 14 days, you eat the certain seeds. In the next 14 days, you eat the, um, the other seeds, and they it really works. It's, you do this every day? Um, yeah, I do. I put like, you know, I grind them and I put them in my smoothie in the morning and it really, really works. It's one of the easiest ways um, to balance your hormones with nutrition. So when I met you, you were on your way to City Hall to protest the tampon test. It hasn't happened yet, actually. Oh, it hasn't. Yes. Okay, so tell us about that. I'm so excited. So National Period Day is October 19th. 
And I will be co-hosting a rally at City Hall on Saturday, October 19th at 12 p.m. And we are rallying for uh, the uh, to end the tampon tax. So the tampon tax. So there is a tax on feminine products, yes. if you don't already know this. It's considered a luxury item, which is ridiculous. Like To just put things in perspective, Rogaine and Viagra are not taxed. They're exempt because they're considered a necessity. And it is not a luxury to not bleed all over exactly. yourself. I'm sorry. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> like So just uh, last year, I think Nevada and New Ham- uh, and Vermont and New Hampshire recently got rid of it. So there's only, I can't give you the exact number of states right now, um, but there's still you know quite a few states that still have this tampon tax. So Texas is one of them. So all 50 states are rallying. So we're ra- rallying um, for the end of the tampon tax and menstrual equality, basically, because it's much more than just tampons. So some people are like, why does it matter? You know, there's so many things taxed. It's like, well, if a girl, if, if a, a girl in a low-income family their fa- her family can't afford menstrual products. It's, it's between like feeding dinner or menstrual products that night. Well, if she doesn't have them, she's going to miss school. She's going to miss an educational opportunity that, yeah. that her and brother will not. Be at a total disadvantage. I mean, total disadvantage in every way, socially, it's, I yeah. mean, everything. It's a yeah. gender equality issue. Yeah. And the tampon tax is just archaic. It's time for it to go. So we're all going to wear red. It's, you know, all genders are welcome. We're going to rally for the end of tampon tax. And I am confident that, you know, we'll have our voices heard. We're going to be, mar- there's going to be, a, we're marching in Austin as well. And um, I'll be leading the Houston one and my friend's leading the Austin one and, there's going to be one in D.C. I mean, all 50 states are going to have it. Well, it is undoubtedly high time for us to just not only wake up to the fact that these items aren't luxury items, but wake up to the fact that, you know, women are half, if not more, of the population. Yes. Um, we deserve to, you know, be able to honor our bodies and the systems that our bodies are built on and to have the types of patience and time that our bodies need in order to function the way that they were supposed to function. So um, I am personally very grateful to have just had your wisdom here on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me, Jenna. And um, if you want to tell everyone where they can go to um, learn more about you and potentially even utilize your services. Yeah. Um, so you can find me at my website. It's Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, Longoria, L-O-N-G-O-R-I-A.com. And you, I have my uh, free period ebook there, and I talk more about seed cycling, how to get you started with tracking your cycles, and I talk more in depth about the four phases of our cycle as well. Some recipes in there, and follow me. Let's connect on Instagram. I'm at Jenna Longoria Health. Thank you guys so much, and you can follow me too on Instagram at Laura Max Rose. And uh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Laura. Hello.